0: here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you, John, and
1: welcome to today's podcast. I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and we welcome you to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. And it is a great joy and delight today, and I say that honestly, I really do, Andrew. It's great to have Andrew Dowler here. Been looking, man, I've been looking forward to you being here. And your brother's sitting over in the corner. We're so glad. Not not because he's bad, you know. I had to bring my chauffeur. Yeah, your chauffeur. He just brought you a glass of water. What <laughs> a right. guy. What a guy, you know. Uh, but we're glad that you guys are here today. And we want you to be able to share your story today. I've asked you. We've been talking about this for a while. And finally, the moment has come that you're here in the studio today. And I'm glad that it worked out. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell the audience what is important to know about who you are. Well, first of all,
2: let me say it is it's great to be here. I have been so looking forward to this. Um, I say this without reservation. I have told many people along my life that I would not be a Christian today. Um, I would not be the man I am today without Without Mark Cravens being in my life whenever I uh, went through some of the struggles that I did earlier in life. So uh, it's good to be here. Um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Um, for those of you that have no idea who I am, which is probably most people, uh, name's Andrew Daller. Um, I'm a very blessed young man. Um, I have a, a beautiful wife named Kristen. I have a, a wonderful wonderful son named logan who is mm-hmm. uh, five years old now uh, another little guy named landon wow. who's two years old just turned just turned two a couple weeks ago and i uh, found out we have another one on the way gonna be another little boy so oh my word yeah we got three <laughs> three little three little rug rats about to be running around and uh, they 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 keep us busy wow. but
1: life is fun yeah you're you're gonna now begin to reap Well, you and Nathan must, you guys must have brought on to your parents. You know, it's now all coming home, you know. Absolutely. Every bit of it. I love it. And I'm sure they're just the best, most well-behaved kids. Oh, they are.
2: They are. They take after me. No mischief. No, you know, they're. (laughs) They are both as, as outgoing as they can be. If we're going through the drive through Logan wants me to roll the back window down so he can tell the people hi. Uh, yeah, he doesn't yeah. know a stranger in the world. So well, he, yeah, they they keep it fun.
1: Yeah, that's neat. Well, Absolutely. you and I have known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. We go back several years, and um, your kind words, were they, they meant a lot to me today. I am who I am by the grace of God and that alone, mm-hmm. but it does encourage me to know every once in a while that, Maybe you're doing something or saying something that encourages somebody else. So I appreciate that, but I'm just thrilled. You're here today to tell your story, a story of God's grace and hope and redemption. and, And that all begins as we roll back the time clock. We're going to go back to your college days. Sound good? Absolutely. Uh, are we all right there? Okay. Absolutely. So we're going back to your college days, and I'm going to let you take it from there and just kind of walk people through what went on and what happened during that time.
2: All right. Um, really, I guess to explain my college days, you need to go back just a little bit further before that. And I guess the reason I say that is I think I was a very typical... Young man who came out of, you know, a holiness church. My whole life, um, there, mm-hmm. you know, every day the doors were open. But there is a, there is a, really, it's a sermon series um, from a man named Mark Driscoll, and in in that sermon series, he he talks about men and marriage, and in that mm-hmm. in that uh, sermon, he. Labels out different ways that men can try to figure out what it means to be a man and how they misinterpret masculinity and, and some mm-hmm. of these things. Mm-hmm. And one of the descriptions he puts on those men uh, would be uh, one of the terms he uses is, is "little boy Larry." And what he what he says by that, which is so powerful to me because mm-hmm. it just it absolutely describes who I was, is he says little boy Larry is is very common in the in the church, and everybody likes him. Nobody respects him. He can draw a crowd, but nobody follows him because he's not going anywhere.
1: Wow. Well, I want to. Paul, I want you to say that again. That okay. is extremely powerful. Would you? Would you say that it again? Is, absolutely. That was, that was <laughs> I,
2: awesome. I know. It, I know it verbatim because when I first heard it, it just it was like yeah. shining a light in my face. He said, "Everybody likes him, but nobody respects him. He can draw a crowd, but nobody's following him because he's not going anywhere." Wow. And I think that perfectly describes who I was, what my life was like. I, I never remember a time when I didn't want to be a Christian, when I didn't want to follow God. Um, I had my mistakes, my mess ups, my hang ups, like everybody else. But I always wanted to do the right thing. I always, I always had a heart yeah. to follow God, but I yes. never was, I never was serious. I never was disciplined about anything, and really, the lack of discipline led to. 99% of all the troubles that I had, um, in college where, uh, graduated from high school, um, went to, went to college. My parents, uh, very wisely told us that they wanted us to go to one, at least one year of Bible college. Um, they said they would help us through that. Um, and they said we had to at least go to one year. And then after that it was, it was up to us. So, um, You know, our family. We just went to GBS. That's what we did. We loved it. That's what we knew. Um, Yeah, the the path was already laid out. That's That's right. Yeah, no, I I knew exactly where. There was no question. There was no no, question, right? There was no, you know, I uh, maybe you know, shame on to me, but there was no weeping at the altar, find trying (laughs) to find the will of God to you know figure out which Bible. I just knew where I was going to go. Right. right. Knew what I was going to do. Um, and so I I enrolled, and my my first year there. I took 21 hours. I was in quartet. I was in choir. I was uh, Mr. Davison, the PR uh, mm-hmm. director at that time. I was his assistant, and Nathan Gumbiner. I was his PA assistant, running chapels and things. So I was very busy. I would, if you want a, a recipe for for disaster in your first year, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very unwise the way I went about that. Um, But uh, I loved it. I loved, Mm -hmm. you know, I I enjoyed it. I had lots of fun. I had lots of friends. Um, But it was just, it was years that were marked by a lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, If I remember correctly, um, my first first semester there, I had at least a B average. I think it was an A average, but I failed like 75% of my classes because of skips, because of being late. I could not get up. I could not. I was not disciplined enough to get out of bed in the morning and get to class. And so I remember, I I forget who exactly it was, but somebody in the administration sat me down and said, "Listen, if you would get up and go to class, you know when I when I applied myself, when I tried, I did great. But I just it was a complete uh, lack of 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 discipline." Yeah, and
1: I had you in my classes, (laughs) and we won't talk about the lack of discipline. But the truth was, you you were very talented, very gifted. In a lot of ways, it wasn't that you were incapable mm-hmm. of pulling a good grade and you had a lot of gifts, a lot of talents, but boy, that that schedule coupled with a lack of discipline yep. sounded to me like it, it, was not, it was not, if it was going to happen, it was like, when was it going to happen? Yep, exactly right. Yeah. At some point, it, the ship is going to hit the rocks. Correct.
2: Yeah. Correct. So it was, it was, it was just not a good recipe um, for, for success by any means. But uh, I guess uh, through all of those things, I, and, and again, the, I lived my whole life just kind of doing what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then I, I just dealt with the repercussions of it. And again, not, not trying to be a bad kid. I just – I had I – had, the only discipline I had in my life was that I did whatever I wanted to do, and then I had learned to try to talk my way out of it, and I had learned to try to use my personality – to, to gain whatever I needed to gain. Right, right. And when you go to an actual college <laughs> that requires actual <laughs> things of you and there's a system in place that doesn't fly and um – I remember one time I came in to the dorm late, you know, we were just, there was a time we were supposed to be into the dorm Mm -hmm. and I, I remember walking up to the, to the RA and I forget even what the discipline was at that time. It was, I don't remember if you got fine money or exactly what it was, but they told me whatever the, the, the repercussions were going to be. And I just remember telling them, Oh, that's fine. You know, that's no big deal. I knew that was going to happen, but I wanted to do what I was going to do. So, uh, you know that's fine and he's like no it's not it's not fine i'm oh yeah it's fine i'll just i'll just pay the you know i'll just pay the fine or whatever it was and yeah. that was just kind of how i went about life so uh-huh. to skip forward um <clears throat> through that sort of playing around just doing whatever i wanted to do attitude um i made a uh, made a series of um inappropriate jokes i guess you could say we thought we were just having fun, messing around, mm-hmm. out on a quartet trip, just having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that was, that was more sensitive than those who were involved found out about it, saw what was happening, and reported it. And so I went on to uh, academic probation and, you know, I guess whatever, behavioral probation. And uh, again, trying to remember back through all this, it's a little mm-hmm. difficult. But right. somewhere right. in the midst of that, I either... Uh, a part of that, I had to. I had to pass all my classes. I had to maintain a certain grade average, and I didn't do that. And so I was. I was dismissed from school the first year. And what did that feel like for you when it that was, happened? What What were you feeling? It was the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It was horrible. And I remember. I remember going back home, and. The friends that I grew up with at the time, um, when he found out I was coming back home, he said, "Hey, I'll I'll come pick you up and we'll go get something uh-huh. to eat." And I thought, "Oh, this is gonna be great." You know, I need to blow off some steam, get rid of some stress. And I remember climbing up into his truck. He looked over at me, and I remember he looked at me dead in the face and said, "I knew you'd be back." Oh, and I thought, wow. I thought, "What What do you mean by that?" He said, "I, I knew you weren't. I knew that. I knew you weren't going to make it there." And it was just the most overwhelming sense of shame and embarrassment to know that, like, there's no talking your way out. There's... The people know. People know that you're not legit on the inside.
1: And it was... Oh, it was horribly embarrassing. Well, I can't imagine how that had to feel for you, you know, to hear those words. Yeah. And yet even more so to feel like there's... They ring with a note of truth. Yeah, exactly right. You know, yeah. so... They, they, they weren't... He,
2: I mean, they weren't they weren't words that were meant to be harsh or mean or even critical. It was right. just one of the best friends I had in the world saying, "I know who you are, and I knew that you were going to get found out. Yeah. And it was, again, they were very powerful words to me mm-hmm. and you know maybe not something I would prescribe to somebody else in the future, but they were powerful to me and yeah. uh, that, that that really set
1: on my heart very heavily. Yeah. So you went to school, you, you kind of struck out, you got sent home, you're embarrassed. You're humiliated about it all, but you're going to try again, right? <laughs> so take us now to what act two here. What happened next after that? What what were your thought processes and what did you end up doing?
2: Well, I would love to say that, you know, I had the Rocky montage where I got myself all built back <laughs> up and I was ready for try two. Um, I was still at home with my tail tucked between my legs and President Avery, uh, president of the college at that time, <clears throat> to his credit, Mm -hmm. called me one day. Uh, I'll never forget. I was sitting in the living room, sitting on the floor in front of a chair, and he called me and said, Andrew, I believe in second chances. I I believe that things could go better. And he called me and said, I want you to come back. Uh, It it was just several days before school started. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want you to come back. I want you to try again. And he said, I'm going to do something that I've never done before. And he said, I'm going to recommend... That you be put back into quartet, that you be put back into choir, and he said, "I want you to give it a second go." Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to. I'll be honest; I was scared. Sure, I thought, I Man, "There's no way." Yeah. Uh, and he he said he said to me, "He said, now I'm putting my neck on the line here for you. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let me down." And I remember that, that weight of like, well, man, this is serious. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Just don't let me down, right? No pressure. (laughs) I get it. But again, to his credit, and that's one of my favorite things about him, is that he's always been about second chances and giving people, giving people a shot. And so I remember I jumped on my motorcycle. I mean, like, like quartet tryouts and stuff were like the next day, if I remember right. I mean, there was no real time to sit down and think about this. I jumped Mm -hmm. on my motorcycle, drove the two and a half hours back to Cincinnati, my parents ended up bringing my stuff i think the the couple of days later and again got back into quartet got back into choir and kind of you know the second <laughs> song you know same song second verse sounded a lot like the first right <laughs> exactly yeah, not okay. not a whole lot of change not a whole lot of difference um just just living life thinking i had thinking i had life by the tail i could do whatever i wanted mm-hmm. and uh fast forward just just a couple of months and uh got caught watching pornography on my, on my computer at school mm-hmm. and was expelled the second time out of choir, out of quartet. And, man, you you talk about embarrassment the first time. The second time was just
1: it, gut-wrenching. Yeah, it had to be because of the circumstances that were mm-hmm. revolving around this yeah. whole thing that was going on is all that. And then, too, to think you had been given this incredible, gracious opportunity, Absolutely. And, then, and, and then you lost it. So when you went home, <laughs> again, I'm going to ask you, what was that like for you, going home the second time with your tail tucked? I,
2: I don't even know adequately how to describe it. I mean, I, I can look back on it now, and I can say without question It is the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Looking back on it now all these years Mm -hmm. later, back then it was really, again, I I don't have words for it now. I didn't back then. I remember Mm -hmm. the day that I got expelled. I think we were in the middle of revival, if I remember right. And I don't remember who was speaking. I don't remember what happened, but I remember they gave an altar call. And I remember I was so defeated and broken. I was going to be leaving, I think, the next day. and I went down and I I remember I could take you to the seat I was sitting at where I was praying just completely exhausted I didn't know Mm -hmm. what to think, I didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do I didn't know how to pray and I remember my brother to his credit came up behind me put his hand on my shoulder and I just remember him saying let's go outside let's go outside and talk about this and I remember telling him I I don't want to go outside I don't know what to talk about, I don't know what to say there's nothing to say Mm -hmm. and again I think it was just that that Whole life experience I had built up, if I can talk my way out of it, there's always another angle I can work. Was just yeah. gone. Yeah. I, I was, I was. All of the protective walls I had put up were ripped away, and you could see right into the ugliness of who mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. And I, I don't know how else to describe that. I guess. But
1: oh well. For those of us who've been where you where you were at then, I've I've been at that point myself, and no doubt there are many people listening who are either at that point or they, they've been at that point before where all the excuses were gone, there was no way talking your way out of this. And yet, looking back, you said something very powerful, that you're grateful that it happened. You're, you're thankful for that second failure because it stripped away all of the false, it took away all mm-hmm. of the... Uh, the the things in your life that you felt like were what supported you and yep. undergirded you, and suddenly now you're face to face with who you really are. The mask is gone.
2: Yeah, the reason I'm so thankful, and I don't I don't mean to sound uber spiritual with this, but I shudder to think of what would have happened. I was on my way to being a pastor. Mm. I was on my way to being a youth pastor. I was on my I was I was heading down the road to being in ministry, and I think of all the awful things that could have happened mm-hmm. had I slipped under the radar, got through yeah. school, graduated, yeah. Yeah. and some well-meaning church, some well-meaning community invites me to be a spiritual leader to them with all this just being hidden under the surface, yeah. learning. I mean, forget holiness movement for I mean just the church at large we are masters yes. at, at learning to slip in we know yeah. how to fit in we know how to wear the right how to stuff. fly under the radar yeah. without
1: being detected yeah we know
2: yeah. when to raise our hands on the yeah. songs and how to testify and you know I know I'm not yeah. I know I'm not the only one that that has learned to fake it and learn to you know whatever however old I I was also 17 at the time when I went to school for the first for the first time mm-hmm. I was young. And I just, I shudder to think, you know, of what I could have done to my own family, right, to a church right. community. And so, man, I just, I thank God that that I got, you know, that that knot yanked in my tail. Mm-hmm. And, man, the life lessons yeah, that, yeah. that came out of that.
1: You know, Andrew, so many times uh, when people hit this, when they hit the wall and crash and burn, mm-hmm. the wheels come off in their life, sometimes it's like you have one of two roads to take you can either take the one road that just spirals downward and you just wallow in regret and shame mm-hmm. and self-pity and you, you seek all kinds of ways to, to to somehow ease the pain in your life, whether it be yeah. alcohol, drugs, sex, you yeah. name it. Or you, somehow you're able to look at the high road yeah. and take that other road of recovery and rebuilding your life yeah. Talk to us a little bit about when you came to that point. What were some of the what were some of the grace points? What were some of the things that helped you as, as you started moving from that point?
2: So as I look back, I've asked this to myself many times: of how did I get to where I am today? Mm-hmm. With I was just listening to a song this morning, um, uh, talking about how many times I've almost thrown the towel in, how many times I've almost walked away and stopped believing. And, man, you, you, you go into any grocery store, into any Walmart in America and start talking to people. And everybody has an experience with a church, with a pastor, with a Christian that they knew where mm-hmm. things didn't go the way they thought they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's why I'm not a Christian anymore. And I look, you know, I think, but for the grace of God, there go I 100%. That's right. That's right. But looking looking back now, I think and I don't I don't even know that I meant to do this. You know, I mean if you if you study Timothy and where they talk about how to how to bring people back mm-hmm. who've, you know, gone astray and how to bring them back, I think one of the most important aspects of that is is talking about it, is dealing with it, being open and honest about it. And mm-hmm. I am nothing if not just <laughs> forthright with who I am and my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I remember the day I got back home. Uh, that night the guys were playing basketball at the gym and I remember walking in and walking over to who is now my father in law and he, Hey, what are you doing here? And I remember just spilling the entire thing out to him, which we were actually pretty mm-hmm. close at that point. But I remember just saying, Hey, here's what happened. Here's where I messed up yeah. and I don't I didn't try to sugarcoat it. It was just I knew what I had done. There was no hiding it. And I look back now, I think, man, that's so that was so beneficial to me. I right. I didn't right. even know what I was doing but it would have been so easy for me to try to twist it and, well, they, the school did this and they didn't, ha- the administration was yeah. mean to me yeah. and they were they were picking on me. And whether everything was handled correctly or, you know, the way it should have been or not is not the question. But that for sure is, is a key. I think there's a lot of people that just try to keep suppressing it mm-hmm. and keep hiding it. Mm-hmm. And when they're caught in the middle of it, then they just keep trying to twist it.
1: Right, right. Well, I think, too, is I think, Taking personal responsibility is mm-hmm. extremely, extremely crucial. In fact, that might be one of the next to our own salvation, probably one of the most important days in our life yeah. is when we take personal responsibility Absolutely. for the wrong choices that we've made and we stop the blame game. Yeah. So let's move now in that direction of what was the rebuilding process for you? Okay. Um. When you talk about the rebuilding
2: phase and in and where God started bringing me back, um, I I can think I don't I don't know exactly the right analogy to put on this, but it was like every time I tried to run off mm-hmm. or go get away from my problems, mm-hmm. get away from my trouble, mm-hmm. it was like God put a person, a person directly in my path. That's awesome, and yeah. said no, and I could I could name off probably five people mm-hmm. immediately of just different circumstances. Um, a guy named Josiah Wendell, who probably a whole lot of people have no idea who that is, but was a youth pastor in a Southern Indiana church. And just, he was everything I wanted to be. He was everything mm-hmm. that I admired and he invested in my life. And when I had gotten kicked out of school, when I was just kind of wandering around, he kind of took me under his wing mm-hmm. and helped me to see that being a Christian can be fun. It can be exciting that you don't have to be a bump on a log, you know, just right, with your Bible right. out quoting scripture verses, you can have fun. I as, immediately when I got kicked out of school, <clears throat> I tried to run off to Florida. I thought, well, I'm here's an opportunity. I went and, and worked in a landscaping job out in Florida. And I thought I'm gonna run away from people that I know, from my story. Right. Right. Got out there, and Mark Potter was out there. And if anybody <laughs> yeah, knows Mark, know Mark Potter, Potter, just yes. one of my favorite people yes. in the world. Yes, and he again took me under his wing, and you know, just helped mm-hmm. to just let me talk it out, and help me to help me to see that there's hope, and to see that there's mm-hmm. a way back. And um, you know, I I I said before, but even when I was back in school, you I remember where your little office was, right, as you head down that ramp. And I remember many times I'd be on my way down to, down to lunch, down to mm-hmm. supper, and I think you know I need to, I need to stop in and talk to, mm-hmm. talk to Mister Cravens, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there was just so many times that God put somebody directly in
1: my path. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome and how God does that in
2: yeah. really the real re- rebuilding phase where my life really turned over was Daryl Stetler called me mm-hmm. and said. Well, let me back up a little bit. I, I after I had gotten kicked out, I came back from Florida, just kind of wandering mm-hmm. all around. My dad said, "Hey, why don't you take some classes over at UBC, and you know, you just kind of mm-hmm. get re going right, again." Right. So, didn't have anything else going on. So, yeah, I'll do that. Took some classes, went to uh, something called IMF, where all mm-hmm. the preacher guys come together. Daryl Stettler was there speaking, and he said, uh, he says, if I if I understand this correctly, he said that when he was there speaking, he said that God pointed me out to him and said that one, mm-hmm. invest in him. That's great. He called me and said, yeah. hey, I want to talk to you about coming out to Oklahoma and uh, helping me and in, in pastor it out here. Mm-hmm. At that point, my dad had just had a stroke. I didn't think it was the right timing. Um, I remember at the end of that year, uh, I was driving on the way to, uh, uh, to the end of the year uh, graduation ceremonies mm-hmm. at UBC, and I remember just thinking, like, I've got to, I've got to do something. I'm right, just, I'm just right. wandering through life. I either need to, you know, I've just, I've got to do something. And I remember Daryl called me mm-hmm. on the way. I mean, minutes after I was sitting here having this conversation with myself, God leading me. Obviously, now looking back, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, man, I, I, I still want to talk to you about this." And I said, "Funny thing, I was just thinking about this." Ended up going out, uh, talking with him. Ended up mm-hmm. moving out there, and was. Uh, I don't know, call an associate pastor or something right, out with right. for, I remember that for yes. two and a half years yeah. in Oklahoma. And it was the biggest life-changing experience for me to the positive That's great. that I had, that I had ever been through. And again, I still wasn't, when I went out there, I was still the same person I was. I still was trying to smooth things over. I was still mm-hmm. trying to hide some of that stuff. And it was a terrifying thing to have to get up and speak, to have to Lead a ministry to have to do any of this, mm-hmm. and realize that you were a hundred percent on your own power; that God was not with you in this endeavor because you were doing stuff in the in the privacy of your own mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was at that point that God just just changed my heart and changed my life. That's awesome. Yes. And it, it it was amazing to look back now and to see, you know, I just sang Sunday with my wife. Mm-hmm. If you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today yeah, yeah. then you would know you would know the reason why I oh, love him yes. so that's right and uh I, I just
1: it was the, yeah. God just refusing to give up so where so if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today so I want you to tell the listeners where are you today cuz this to me is exciting news so tell people what is god doing in your life now what are you involved in now all these years after all of that back there where are you now um i'm genuine which That's is when i want to
2: be yeah. more than anything yeah i'm 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 real uh-huh and often when i testify in church i'll make the statement it is it is an unbelievably satisfying feeling to sit in church and not think that if somebody were to go home and look at my laptop or to get on my iPad or to see what movies I've been watching that I would need to hide something or clear something off. That's tremendous. There, there's, yes, no, there's, yes. no, there's no greater freedom That's than right. to than to be real and genuine. And man, I still have my problems as much as anybody. My my wife and children who live with me every day, they, you know, they see that I'm still a work in progress. I've still got a yes, long we all way are. To go. That's right. That's long right. way to go. But I God has brought me to a place where I can be real. I can be genuine. Mm-hmm. And through through seeing those people that invested in my life, it made me want to do that for mm-hmm. other people. Right, it it right. made me, I have told my wife all the time, there's been so much grace poured out into my life. How could I possibly do anything other mm-hmm. than try to help somebody else? So I love young people. Right. I love, I love talking to young people. Um, I, uh, I teach the young adult Sunday school class at my church. Um, I'm on the, the youth committee at my church. Uh, this is, I think if I remember right, I think this will be my 13th or 14th year of playing in the the band at Youth Challenge. I just I love anything yeah, I can do. Right, uh, being involved
1: with young people, I, I love it. Yeah, and so you're trying now. You know, I, I recently had a, had a podcast in which somebody was talking about the stewardship of what God's grace has done in my Absolutely. life. In other words, God's done this. Now I have a sense of stewardship. Absolutely. I need, to, I need to do something with what God has done in my life. Absolutely. More. And so it seems like that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. The grace has been shown to you. You're trying to show to others and, and let others know that there's a better way and that there's a, there's a way out yeah. of wherever they are. I think there's
2: a lot of young people
1: specifically that,
2: were, that are now where I was. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've told some here recently... If you don't get serious and if you don't yeah. learn some lessons now, God is going to get your attention one yes. way or the other. He's not going to let yeah. you just waltz off, do what you want to do. He's going to try to get your attention. And, man, do it now before you That's have great. to Before you That's have great. to hit the rock bottom. You know, we yeah. we spend so much time trying to bandage up the people at the bottom of the cliff when we need to be putting fences at the top and we need to be
1: investing in young people before they
2: fall off the cliff.
1: That's great. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but before we do, um, I, your brother let me in on a secret. Okay, here's here's a secret, ladies and gentlemen. We all like secrets, and that is that your coffee of choice is sweet tea. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Doc, right. is that right? That, 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 okay. is, that is right. I, yeah, I'm not much uh, of a coffee drinker. Oh uh, well, you know there's still hope for you, Doc. It's a process. <laughs> My wife does you. enough for both of us. There, I assure there's you. Hope. So if you could sit down with a young person or somebody maybe who feels like. Maybe like you, they didn't strike out once. They felt like they struck out twice. If you could sit down with them over a glass of sweet tea, out on a porch somewhere, or in a, in a restaurant, you could just have a conversation. I want you to speak directly to those who are listening today. What would be at least one more thing that you would want them to know that would be helpful, you think, for them in this whole process of finding hope and recovery and starting over after failure?
2: I guess to young people or whoever it is that is struggling with this, I would say to them first, realize that you're not alone, Mm -hmm. that you are not a hopeless case. And then I would tell them to find people that care about them, that Mm -hmm. love them, and that Mm -hmm. will be honest with them. Don't find a yes man in your life that will just, you know, I I had accountability partners in my life before that would, you know, hey, how are you doing today? I'm fine. And that was it. (laughs) You know, I needed people that were like, what does I'm fine mean? You yeah, know, yeah. What, what have you really been looking at? what yeah, you know what yeah. what's your search history really look like? You mm-hmm. know, I needed somebody that would be honest with me. And so that's what I would tell people that are looking for hope. And then on the other side of this, maybe even more importantly, I would tell people, do not underestimate the importance of the little things that you do for people. That's right. The little conversations right. that you have with people. Um, You know, when we were discussing me coming on this, I said to you, you probably had no idea. You probably had no idea what you were doing for me when you were just sitting in your office. You probably had a thousand things going on that day. But I always knew your door was open Mm -hmm. and you could have 400 things going on. And I knew that you would sit down and take maybe just five minutes. I knew your door was open. And that meant the world to me. And just this is just kind of a cool thing that God has done for me here. There's somebody that I tried to invest in, somebody that mm-hmm, I I mm-hmm. tried to help, and I honestly I thought, ah, eh, you know they made some bad choices, they've gone the wrong way, they ended up leaving school, mm-hmm. went back home, and kind of out of sight, out of mind. Recently they came back to school. Recently they walked up to me at church and said, "Hey, do you remember that that phone call we had?" "I'm I, not really." <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> well, "What phone call?" <laughs> he said, "Well, the week after I left, you called me." And said, hey, man, I was where you were. I remember getting kicked out. And he said, the words you said to me that day have stuck with me ever since. And he, the words he said to me, you'll, you'll, you you'll, have no idea the impact you had on my life that day. Well, that's amazing. And I, it was the most yes, overwhelming. Right. Like, I had no idea. It was just I felt very compelled that mm-hmm. I needed to call this guy and just say, hey, there's hope. And when you come back, I want to see you come back the right way. And that's what I would tell people, just don't ever underestimate the little things that you do for that's people right. the little conversations the the quick mm-hmm. let's go out to eat and you know sit up, sit down over lunch and have a conversation
1: that might change somebody's life just that's you know, absolutely true just that's investing right. in people that's right well i so appreciate you being here today andrew it's been a joy to have you absolutely good stuff good stuff i appreciate it and may god just continue to bless you and your family listeners today we thank you for listening to hope along the journey As I say so often, I want to say again, Jesus Christ is indeed the hope of the world. And if you just look to Him, you'll find hope in life's journey. And may you find that hope you're looking for by the grace of God. God bless you. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.